Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But as we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, forgives our sins and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Let us then confess our sins unto God our Father. Most merciful God, we confess that we are by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We justly deserve your present and eternal punishment. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us. Forgive us, renew us, and lead us, so that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your holy name. Amen. Almighty God, in his mercy, has given his only Son to die for you, and for his sake forgives you all of your sins. As a called and ordained servant of the word, I therefore forgive you your sins in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. and praise, 
Let us pray to the Lord. Save, comfort, and defend us, gracious Lord. Amen. This is the meaning of victory for our God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Worthy is Christ, Lord of Trinity, by the confession of a true faith, and to worship the unity in the power of the divine majesty. Keep us steadfast in this faith, and defend us from all efforts. For you, O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, live and reign, one God, now and forever. Amen. Scripture lessons for this, the Feast of the Holy Trinity, the Old Testament lesson from the sixth chapter of the prophet Isaiah, verses 1 through 8. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple, and above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to the other and said, Holy, holy, 
Holy is the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the thresholds shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. And then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth, and he said, Behold, this has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. And I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And then I said, Here am I, send me. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. second reading from the Acts of the Apostles, the second chapter. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced and my flesh also will dwell in hope. For you will not abandon my soul to Hades or let your Holy One see corruption. And you have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. And brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David that he both died and was buried and his tomb is with us to this day. Being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are all witnesses. Being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into the heavens, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We join in the response of him with the choir, the festival of glory, all glory be to God on high.
Holy Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. And this man came to Jesus by night, and he said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus said to him, Well, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. And so it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. And Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I had told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the Gospel of our Lord. Praise to On this Trinity Sunday, we confess responsibly the third ecumenical creed of the Church, the Athanasian Creed. Whoever desires to be saved must above all hold the Catholic faith. Whoever does not keep it whole and undefiled will without doubt perish eternally. And the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confusing the persons nor dividing the substance. For the Father is one person, the Son is another, and the Holy Spirit is another, but the Godhead of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit is one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Spirit, the Father uncreated, the Son uncreated, the Holy Spirit uncreated, the Father infinite, the Son infinite, the Holy Spirit infinite, the Father eternal, the Son eternal, the Holy Spirit eternal. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal, just as they're not three uncreated or three infinites, but one uncreated and one infinite. In the same way, the Father is almighty, the Son almighty, the Holy Spirit almighty, 
And yet there are not three Almighties, but one Almighty. And so the Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and yet there are not three gods, but one God. And so the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, the Holy Spirit is Lord, and yet there are not three lords, but one Lord. Just as we are compelled by the Christian truth to acknowledge each distinct person as God and Lord, so also are we prohibited by the Catholic religion to say that there are three gods or lords. The Father is not made, nor created, nor begotten by anyone. The Son is neither made nor created, but begotten of the Father alone. The Holy Spirit is of the Father and of the Son, neither made nor created, nor begotten, but proceeding. And thus there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Spirit, not three Holy Spirits. And in this Trinity, none is before or after another. None is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co-eternal with each other and co-equal, so that in all things as has been stated above, the Trinity in unity and the unity in Trinity is to be worshipped. Therefore, whoever desires to be saved must think thus about the Trinity, but it is also necessary for everlasting salvation that one faithfully believe the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is the right faith that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is at the same time both God and man. He is God, begotten from the substance of the Father before all ages, and he is man, born from the substance of his mother in this age. Perfect God and perfect man, composed of a rational soul and human flesh, equal to the Father with respect to his divinity, less than the Father with respect to his humanity. Although he is God and man, he is not two, but one Christ. One, however, not by the conversion of the divinity into flesh, but by the assumption of the humanity into God. One altogether, not by confusion of substance, but by unity of person. For as the rational soul and flesh is one man, so God and man is one Christ, who suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose again the third day from the dead, ascended into heaven, and is seated at the right hand of the Father, God Almighty, from whence he will come to judge the living and the dead. That his coming all people will rise again with their bodies and give an account concerning their own deeds. And those who have done good will enter into eternal life, and those who have done evil into eternal fire. This is the Catholic faith. Whoever does not believe it faithfully and firmly cannot be saved.
Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Our text for this Sunday of the Holy Trinity from the third chapter of John. Jesus said, No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And then he goes on to say that God loved the world so that he gave his only begotten Son. That whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Dear friends in our Lord Jesus, on this Sunday of the Holy Trinity, it's thought to possess the power to envelop worlds and stars and other astrophysical matter out there in deep space. I'm talking about the theorized black hole, a supposed celestial object of such extremely intense gravitational force that it attracts and envelops everything near to it and would prevent anything including light itself from escaping. The black hole, a cosmic force, the magnitude and the power of which the human mind simply can't comprehend. If real, the black hole would be for us humans an astrophysical enigma, a mystery. I say if real because fact is one's never been seen before. Never. At least not directly. You see, it's supposed, because light and other energy forms and matter are permanently trapped inside this black hole, and therefore light can't bounce off of it that we might see it or detect it, then therefore it can't be observed directly. It could only be indirectly detected by the effect of its gravitational field on nearby objects like a a nearby visible star or detectable x-ray or radio frequency signals that are emitted by swirling space matter being pulled in, being drawn in by the force of this black hole, but only indirectly observed. To really know and to really be able to to tell us, not in speculation, but in truth of, of the anatomy, the makeup of this cosmic force, one would really have to know and study the thing inside and out. To really fully comprehend a black hole, one would have to have been there with his cameras, with his information-gathering instruments to observe, to record the deep things of this galactic power. Otherwise, it would ever only be known by its cosmic fingerprints. Well, Scripture says something similar about the triune God. Certainly, every man can know of a God by God's fingerprints. You look through the telescope into outer space and it confirms the psalmist's long ago observation that the heavens declare the glory of God, the sky shows forth his handiwork. Or you look through a microscope and into the cellular and molecular and even atomic levels of inner space. And these too will confirm what the psalmist also long ago remarked, that that we're fearfully and we're wonderfully made. In fact, St. Paul reasons this very charge against all unbelief of a God, when he says, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divinity, are clearly seen, he says. How? By being understood by the things that are made, his fingerprints, so that they, those who would suppress this obvious truth, are without excuse. So even by divine fingerprints, one can know that there's a God out there. 
But who can know the things, the inner things of God, Paul says, indeed, you might say the anatomy of God, or indeed the heart of God. Who can know these things, Paul says, but the Spirit of God? And he reasons this way, he says, what man knows the things of a particular man except the spirit of the man that is within him. True enough, isn't it? Who knows you better than you? But then he goes on to say, even so, no one knows the things of the triune God. No one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. He knows the inner things. The inner things of the God that exists and the God that is. And it's in Holy Scripture that the Spirit of God makes known in part the anatomy, as it were, of God. He tells us that God's eternal, that He's unchangeable and unchanging, that He's omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, He's omnipresent everywhere. The Spirit of God tells us in Scripture that God's high and, and transcendent above us and above our best understanding, and yet at the same time, He's also imminently near. So that Scripture says, in Him we live and we move and we have our being. He's deeply loving, but equally holy. Holy, holy. He's three. Scripture tells us, the Spirit of God who knows God tells us He's three in person. And yet in His essence, God is but an indivisible one. It's incomprehensible. Even by His fingerprints we observe and by the Spirit's revelation we've received, still the Blessed Trinity is to our finite minds an incomprehensible enigma, a mystery. With all of this in mind, on this Holy Trinity Sunday in which we consider the things of God, indeed the nature, as best we can, of the triune God, with all of this in mind on this Holy Trinity Sunday, I'd think that the majesty and the obvious gravity of our appointed Old Testament lesson would be what we'd probably expect today. Remember the gravitas of that text? The Old Testament reading for today in, the, in, in a vision, the mortal Isaiah is permitted to steal a look at the immortal God. Remember what he sees from his throne, the Almighty's voice thunders so that the very foundations of heaven's threshold, they shake and they tremble. God's majesty, he sees, is unequal, depicted by the train of his robe filling the entire temple. And sentinel seraphim stand near. Holy though they be, they cover their faces with their wings. They cover their holy faces in the presence of him who is most holy. And one sings, we're told, to another as if in antiphon. Antiphonal, ceaseless praise of the triune God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. It's what we might expect to hear today. As we contemplate the Holy Trinity, it's majestic, it's awesome and awe-inspiring. It's also the reaction I think we might expect to hear too when Isaiah, remember a man of unclean life, who lives amid the people of unclean life, 
when Isaiah finds himself in the presence of this holy and almighty Trinity. His reaction, woe is me. I am undone. It would be your reaction too, would it not? Mine. If you don't suppose it would be yours, your reaction, then you best think again. If you've been living on the very widely popular notion and fantasy that in his mind God would regard your very best efforts to please him and to live by his law as good enough to put yourself right with God, then you best consider, we best all consider the reality that the Spirit of God, who indeed knows the mind of God, what the Spirit of God has scripturally declared, remember what he declared? No one is righteous, not one. No one is good, not one. No one seeks after God. No one does the things of himself that God would have us do. We've all turned aside, Scripture says. No one's good, Scripture says, but God alone. Now maybe you can't see sin itself with your own eyes. But just look for the evidence of the cosmic force of sin in the fingerprints of your life. Look at the evidence of the things done that shouldn't have been done or the things not done that should have been done or the evidence of sin's obvious change and decay imprinted all over you as you see more clearly every day in the mirror and not only all over you but but imprinted evidence imprinted all over every human being universally as by the sin of the first man all therefore afterward are born into the sin's black hole, the dark and deadly condition from which no man of his own will or power is able to escape. So there's no one, no matter age or race or social status, no one who in the presence of the Almighty and the Holy Triune God couldn't say and shouldn't say, woe is me. A very expected reaction in a very expected sort of reading on this Holy Trinity Sunday. But the scene of our Gospel reading, which serves as today's Trinity sermon text, the scene from our Gospel reading, that's a scene perhaps we wouldn't have expected. doesn't seem to fit the majesty and the grandeur of the day. Because recall it, There's no thunderous voice, no trembling heavenly threshold, no angelic antiphonal praise being sung and spoken. Just a quiet dialogue between two conversers on what's, from all indications, a very average and ordinary Judean night. I think you can imagine pretty well the night it might have been the howl of a distant dog in the, in the evening air. Yonder voices talking, laughing, fading in and out of clarity, conversation subsiding one voice at a time as the evening tires and wears on. An infant child in the distance crying because he doesn't yet want to take his nightly rest. Crickets singing their nocturnal song. 
And there's these two conversers, Nicodemus and Jesus, sharing in quiet discourse. Might not seem to fit the day, but behold it well. Because it's what it looks like when lovingly the triune God touches and makes contact with sinful man. Indeed, it's who it looks like when the triune God touches and makes contact with sinful man. Because you see, not in his bare holiness that repels and expels and that would completely consume all that's less than holy, but it's in a gentle visitation. God incarnate. An incarnate visitation that through his own proddings and his own extreme patience that he draws a lost and wandering Nicodemus to the light of the truth. You see, it's there in the person. At the heart of our gospel text today, Jesus Christ, the one mediator, Scripture says, between God and man, it's there in that person, Jesus Christ, where and only where the triune God will mercifully have his singular point of contact with sinful man. It's there in Jesus Christ and through Jesus Christ, who certainly doesn't appear omnipotent or divine, and yet in whom the Spirit of God has written, yet in whom the fullness of the Godhead dwells bodily. Who is, Scripture declares, the image, the icon of the invisible God? Jesus would tell Philip, he who has seen me has seen the Father. It's in and it's only through Jesus Christ that God has graciously made his touch point. His singular touch point with all of humanity, sinful mankind. It's only through Jesus Christ that the triune God makes any of us fit to be near and in his presence. And so while today's subtle reading, quiet Quiet reading from John 3 might not seem as descriptive as as all of those adjectives, those describing words I unrolled earlier, I rolled out earlier in unfolding the anatomy, as it were, of the blessed Trinity. Indeed, though this text may not seem as descriptive, indeed, perhaps nothing better reveals to us the inner heart of God than to hear the very Son of God declare to you, God loved the world so that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. While the mysteries, while the Trinity is a mystery, God's heart toward mankind is no mystery at all. It's been declared to you. Indeed, John would say elsewhere, no one has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, the only begotten God, John writes, who is in the bosom of the Father, who's been there, who knows God intimately, who is God. He, the Word made flesh, John writes, has declared Him. And what has He declared? Note our text. Note our text, because while they're not important, Jesus points us not to those All those descriptive adjectives like eternal and omnipotent and transcendent. What does he do? Well, they're not important. What does he do in our text? He points us past all the adjectives. And he points us right 
to the verbs. Those verbs that so vividly reveal to us the heart of God. And what does he say? He says, God the Father so loved, verb, so loved the world of man that he created. So loved. Agape sen is the Greek verb, agape. A sympathetic, entirely sacrificial, compassionate love of a higher one for a lower one. God the Father so agape loved this world that he gave verb. Edokin is the verb in the Greek. He gave, it means simply to give as a gift. He didn't lend his only begotten son. He didn't rent him expecting some sort of payment in return. He gave his only begotten son. He gave his son whose divine infinite capacity of his human flesh and blood took our sins into his holy divine body and on the cross with our sins entered into the dark and black hole of God's wrath against all sin. He gave his only begotten son who having died with our sins, all of yours and all of mine, then emerged bright as light from the tomb, overpowering, conquering the immense downward gravitational pull of sin and death. And God the Father gave his willingly given son over to the cross. Why? So that whoever believes in him, whoever by the working of God, the Holy Spirit, through baptismal water in the Spirit, as we heard in the Gospel reading, through his word of revelation, by his Holy Supper, whoever is brought to believe in Christ's all-sufficient work for him shall not perish, shall not be enveloped by sin's darkness of eternal dying, but shall have eternal life. What better reveals the heart of the triune God than those God-given, Spirit-given, Jesus-spoken verbs? The Father gave Him, the Son was given, and the Holy Spirit declares Him in Scripture. With black hole kind of things in mind, He declares Him in this way, Christ has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of His love. The inner heart of the Blessed Trinity has been revealed to you. In conclusion, I'd say this. I suppose that if one were to recall to bring to mind an image that might sum it all up, it might be one that I've seen, maybe some of you too have seen, especially if you, if you surf cyberspace on the Internet. It's an Internet website that intends to show the viewer the, the scope of human insignificance in this vast universe in which we live. The image begins with the smallest components of the human body. And it pans ever outward from there. Beginning with the smallest components of the human body, it pans outward, then showing the man, then showing the community in which he lives, then showing the continent upon which he lives, the world in which he lives, the solar system in which he lives, the galaxy in which he lives and beyond. It's quite a, quite a, a graphic way to convey, man, convey man's relative size and significance 
to the incomprehensible vastness of our universe. But my friends, I tell you, the sermon text from John and what it reveals of God, the Holy Trinity, it throws all of that sequence of significance into reverse. Indeed, this triune, this almighty God, he has galaxies to orchestrate and maintain. He has solar systems to govern, supernovas and distant nebulae and red dwarf stars to energize and contain, planets to orbit, galactic light to radiate and heat to moderate. And yet this God, this God so loved the world right down to you. And me, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish. The promise of an infinitely powerful God shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The Holy Trinity is a mystery. His love for you is not. A blessed Trinity Sunday to you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
among, among the hosts of heaven knows all of our needs certainly far better than we know our own. And yet God the Father bids us pray in the name of his Son and by the faith-creating and faith-sustaining power of his Holy Spirit. And so we pray in the name of the Holy Trinity for the Church, for the world, and for one another. We pray. O Holy Father, as you graciously revealed yourself to Isaiah of old and have for us preserved the record of that encounter, so also come to us that we might readily confess our sin, as did he, and gratefully receive the forgiveness that he received because of the suffering and death of your Son and our Savior Jesus Christ, Lord, in your mercy. Hear our prayer. Here am I, send me, Isaiah cried as he celebrated the gift of his forgiveness. By your Holy Spirit, work such gratitude within us that we may not be silenced by fear or be intimidated by the world, but rather that we would speak of our salvation in Christ and confess his name boldly before the world. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Silence, O Lord of hosts, those who would silence the voice of your people. Preserve those persecuted for your name's sake and protect your church from false doctrine and practice that are contrary to your word and from all of the enticing philosophies of our time, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Sustain the governments that you ordain to rule, that through the righteous enforcement of law and the protection of human life at every age, the schemes of those who have little regard for laws and life may be curbed, cause civil order and justice to be maintained among us, and bless the process by which a new Supreme Court justice is selected that the balance of power between our branches of government might be sustained. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. As this weekend we remember the sacrifice of soldiers also made on the beaches of Normandy 65 years ago, we thank you for the sacrifice that they made to fight and to protect. And we ask you, O Lord, to guide and protect and grant success to our armed forces wherever they may be as they serve in distant places. Protect also and preserve all law enforcement officers and firefighters and other rescue workers who risk their lives to protect us from those who would harm us and from fires and floods and nat natural disasters. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Be with our families and preserve our homes where good order is established and love is evident, sustain it. Where there is strife, bring healing and reconciliation. Where there is unemployment, grant opportunity. Where there is confusion about the future, grant clarity. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O Lord, in your mercy, you are mindful of all of our needs. Visit especially those who are sick among us, so in need of your healing power and by your grace that enables them to endure their suffering in accordance with your holy will. To that end, we pray especially for those who are hospitalized, Glenn Miller and Don James, Hugh Ryan, Robert Latham, for those recovering from surgery, Lois Schneider and Grace Shepman. We pray for those at home who depend upon the daily care of others, Paul Duell, Dick and Elsie Much, Marguerite Helt, Ruth Allfeld, Slim and Mickey Paul. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would grant us all the strength required by each day that we live on earth. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. O oh Lord, in your holy supper, you bring us into the very presence of your holiness. Here you touch our lips not with coal from the altar's fire, but with your Son's holy body and precious blood, that we may know that our sin is indeed forgiven us and our guilt taken away. 
By your Holy Spirit, strengthen the faith of those who receive this blessed food of life, that by it we may walk steadfastly through this life into life eternal. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We give thanks for all who have gone before us in the faith, and we pray that you would keep us unto the end and receive us unto yourself and bring us with all your saints to the exaltation of your heavenly throne that we there might join heaven's ranks as they in awe proclaim, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth indeed is full of his glory. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Into your hands, O Father, we commend all for whom we pray, trusting in your mercy, for you so loved the world that you gave your only begotten Son. To him and to you, O Father, and to the Holy Spirit, be all honor and power, all worship and praise, now and forever. Amen. The Lord be with you. truly good right and salutary that we should at all times and in all places give thanks to you, Holy Lord, Almighty Father, everlasting God, who with your only begotten Son and the Holy Spirit are one God, one Lord. In the confession of the only true God, we worship the Trinity in person and the unity in substance of majesty co-equal. And therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we laud and we magnify your glorious name evermore, praising you and saying, Holy, 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 Lord, God of God and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. O Hosanna, O Hosanna, O Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he. Blessed are you, Lord of heaven and earth, for you've had mercy on those whom you created, sent your only begotten Son into our flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior. With repentant joy we receive the salvation accomplished for us by the all-availing sacrifice of his body and his blood on the cross. Gathered in the name and the remembrance of Jesus, we beg you, O Lord, to forgive, renew, and strengthen us with your word and spirit. Grant us faithfully to eat his body and drink his blood, as he bids us do in his own testament. Gather us together, we pray, from the ends of the earth to celebrate with all the faithful the marriage feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end. Graciously receive our prayers, deliver and preserve us. To you alone, O Father, be all glory, honor, and worship with the Son and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, 
Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Our Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples, and he said, Take and eat, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper. And when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. This cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. The peace of the Lord be with you always. And
and the source of all goodness, who in loving kindness sent your only begotten Son into the flesh, we thank you that for his sake you have given us pardon and peace in the sacrament. We ask you not to forsake your children, but always to rule our hearts and minds by your Holy Spirit, that we may be enabled constantly to serve you through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Receive the benediction of the Lord. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord may his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. Amen.